it's it's crazy. I mean, I mean, if somebody would have told me that it, there's going to be a pandemic and you're going to be in Switzerland because of it, if somebody would have told me that, like you know, a year or two ago, I would have told them that you're crazy. The pandemic is disrupting everybody's routines, no matter where you live or how old you are. But for some people, it can mean a total change of scene and lifestyle. Hello and welcome to The Swiss Connection, a Swiss Info production. I'm your host, Susan Masika. In this episode, we meet a family that's done something pretty radical. They've traded sunny California for chilly northern Switzerland. I went to visit them with my colleague, Isabel Bannerman. Now, Isabel, you first met this family on Facebook, right? Yes, that's right. And to be precise, in a group for Swiss Abroad, and there were quite a lot of people in that group that were thinking about returning to Switzerland with their children so they could attend school here because schools were or still are closed where they live at the moment. And during our very first talk via Zoom, Doris, um, who's the mum, told me that they weren't only thinking about moving, but they were about to leave for Switzerland. So you mean their bags were already packed? They were ready to go? Yes, pretty much. So wow, that was fast. Yes. So I was really curious about how everything would work out for them. So I wanted to stay in touch and asked her if she would keep a video diary for us of their adventure, and she agreed. Let's listen to a few snippets from it. Hi, everybody. Um, this is Doris. Today is July 15th, um, and as you know, um, you know, COVID has been affecting us all, especially here in the United States. Um, and we just found out that, that the school, um, especially for my older one this fall, uh, will be closed. So we have, so they only will be providing uh, online or remote schooling, and that has worked not so well for my kids. Um, so basically, we've decided to go to Switzerland. And uh, so um, we're just spending the last two days here in San Diego. Um, it will be sad to say goodbye, but we are also excited about the kids maybe learning something about Switzerland and just, you know, getting connection, a closer connection with my culture. And they have been over there only for vacation. So they don't know how it's like to go to school in Switzerland or how it's like to be there every day and how to be there over the winter time. This is pretty emotional um, for me. Let's see where all the suitcases are um, living for Switzerland today. Um, where the suitcases? I don't have a whole lot, but we got some stuff here. Um, it's definitely a big move and not an easy one with the two boys, Nicholas and Kai. So, of course, we wanted to know how they're doing now that they live in Winterthur, which is a city about half an hour north of Zurich. Yeah, I remember the day we went to visit them was pretty cold and grey with a bit of rain in the air. What did you think when we first arrived at their apartment building? Well, I remember being confused because their name wasn't on the doorbell yet. And of course, yeah, they were still getting settled. 
Now, when you talked to Doris before our visit, did she tell you how the actual move went? Yes, and she told me that the move was possible for her because she is a stay-at-home mum. So she didn't have to leave her job. But that's also why her husband had to stay behind for work. He can't leave for such a long time. And they planned everything with the help of her dad, who is still living here in Switzerland. And they're actually living in his flat right now. So they didn't have to look for accommodation, luckily. And one of the things I was really curious about was to hear how Switzerland has changed because Doris last lived here about three decades ago. Mostly it's good. I mean, I think mostly the changes are good. I, I feel like there's a lot of, there's much more diversity now. So that's, I really enjoy that. Of course, there is more density now. There's more people. But then on the other hand, some things were still on a stand still here. So it's kind of both. It's nice to be back and seeing that some things have not changed. I like that. Um, so I'm reminded about my childhood now to be back. So I think it's a lot of, it's very emotional. Certain places like the bakery, the, the bakery, the one that I love here in Winterthur is called Holzoferbeck, which I guess means wood burning stove baker. I mean, that place is just heaven. And, you know, I just, my kids were asking me, you know, I told them about this Holzoferbeck and they were asking me like, well, how long has this, I, I guess I told them this place has been there forever. And then my son was saying, well, what do you mean by forever? you know, like 20 years. And I'm like, no, 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 you know, at least like maybe five, six generations. So we're talking about maybe 200 years, 300 years. I don't know. Would be nice to know. We checked. The bakery has been in business since the early 1800s. But it's just one of these traditions that's passed on and on and on. I'm so happy about it. Hi, hello, you girls. <laughs> Do you speak Swiss too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a grüzi, he learned to say the grüzi and everything already to everybody, right? The Swiss-German language is something Doris has passed on to her sons, and it's coming in handy now. Like many kids in Switzerland, 10-year-old Kai comes home for lunch every day. Isabel and I were there to greet him when he came in. Yeah, this is Kai. Hi, Kai. Nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> this is Kai. Hi. Hi, Isabel. Hi. <laughs> so what do you think of the school here? It's pretty good. Um, it's not much changing. It's actually a good school. and uh, Yeah. When, when we were there, I was wondering, what kind of schools did they go to in California? Yeah, so um, Kai went to a private school in California that has a language focus French immersion, to be precise. And Nicolas, the older one, was just about to start high school, a public high school, but he went to a German immersion school before that. And what about the other students? There's 21 kids in my uh, class, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of kids. And in my private school, there's only 10 kids. So big difference. But it's actually pretty easy in the school, and there's actually a little bit more to do in the school because we have more, like, 
In my private school, there's like maybe like math and like writing poems or something like that. And then 14-year-old Nicholas came home. Hello. Welcome home. <laughs> how, how was school today? Good. Rainy. Cold. So it makes the, the trip to and from school, I mean, that's quite different from what you're used to, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We usually use the car to go to school. But now we take our bikes and we don't have to uh, use gas. We can, you know, go on rocky roads or whatever to go to school if you want to. The weather comes up again over lunch. When Nicholas says he likes his gym class, Doris confesses that she worries about him. Because it's freezing. (laughs) So I didn't want to ask the teacher, like, you know, call the teacher, hey, make sure that my kid is not going to exercise in the freezing cold. (laughs) Because it's probably good for them. It's probably good for them. But I'm sure they have a turnhalle where they go indoors and stuff. But, But I do feel like they have a little bit more expectations of the kids to be Daring the, the cold weather, and, and you know, I guess it's maybe part of growing up. You have to learn how to dare the, the wet and the cold and the you know, slush. And the you know, you can't just always tell the kid, okay, I have just to go bear the heat in San Diego all the time. <laughs> and the fires, and the fires, yeah. I mean, with dairy stuff, they have to, uh, you know, the, the fire season has been really hard, and, and, and we're glad that we're missing out on that. Because that no, is hard. The earthquakes. No. And we've had I, like earthquakes. It. I like it better than here. <laughs> it's too cold here. So what's your favorite thing about Switzerland so far? Mm, the summer. You've been here on holiday, right? Before. And that we don't have to wait so much until we're at school. And then we're already at school. And then we don't have to take the car or the bus or waste money on the bus or something like that. Because... It's maybe 100 meters away, and uh, it's not really long from here to my school. What do you think of the school starting so early here? Completely horrible. Too early. Yeah, uh, but it's just... The conversation drifts from setting alarm clocks to the kind of clocks where you can't hit the snooze button. Switzerland sounds different, you know, just some of the noises will, you'll recognize and brings you instantaneously back to certain emotions that, you know, you would never have unless you heard that noise. Like the church bells, I just love them now. I just love them because I've been missing them for so many years. But they're just a little bit annoying because if you're trying to do your homework outside, it, it's it's kind of annoying, but... If you're not doing your homework, if you're trying to unstress yourself, it's just like, yeah, it's nice and you can sit outside and just maybe watch the rain. I mean, the church noises, to me, that's just so much, you know, childhood and comfort and I just love it. But, you know, then there is sounds that you don't have here. Like when the pandemic started, um, I started hearing this nightingale and, you know, the bird would like drive me nuts at like 11.30 or 12 o'clock midnight. And I've never heard this bird before. And, you know, every time 11.30, 12, he'd be like starting to like sing. Then Kai tells us a story about his father 
who's holding the fort in California. But uh, if I go um, on my bike with my dad on the street, um, sometimes I hear the birds and my dad just, um, he tries to do the sound that it responds. So we try to speak the language of the bird. Well, that sounds really cool. And I guess you must miss your dad as well. Yeah, but um, it's hard to be behind a screen because it's always like uh, you you want the perfect angle and uh, you just there's always something that is disturbing you about this telephone maybe like it's glitching or it's echoing or there's always something and like my brother's school is they still have to work on screens um and there's always something wrong if you're working with screens actually and some of the kids from his school the one that opened up it's only about 50 percent of kids that are actually Mm -hmm. going to school yeah and, and i mean it shows too that you know every parent makes different decisions you know i came here to switzerland because I want. I feel like the risk, you know, of COVID to, towards my kids is, is pretty minimal. Um, of course, you know, I, I'm not a risk group or anybody that I know close by. I understand other people that do have that. Um, but then there is a lot of parents that do appreciate that the schools are being closed and they, uh, you know, agree with that decision. And I personally feel like there needs to be a choice. Earlier in the pandemic, Switzerland also closed its schools and daycare centers But then they reopened in May. Yeah, since then, here in Switzerland, it's been pretty much business as usual. Although there are tighter restrictions right now, I got in touch with Doris again in late November, and she told me that Nicholas has to wear a mask in school now. Kai doesn't, because younger kids aren't required to. But, I mean, how it will be going forward, we don't know, because in times like these, things can change daily. Yeah, and, and as Doris put it, it's like a roller coaster ride, both in the U.S. and here in Switzerland. But Switzerland seems more relaxed about the school situation, whereas in America, most of the classrooms are still virtual. So the day we visited Doris' family in October, we actually went to school with Nicholas to meet two of the teachers because we wanted to know what it's like for them to teach a kid from California. Ja, auf die erste Seite sicher mal ähm, aufregend. Ich habe noch nie einen Schüler aus den USA gehabt. On the one hand, I'd say it's exciting. I'd never had a student from the US before, and I thought about what he might expect and the challenges he'd face. I have to say, though, that I only know about the American education system from movies, sadly. And I understand if he feels a bit unsure about the school system here. It developed in a very different way from the one in the US. I also think schools in the U.S. might have a different focus, which I think could be quite a challenge, especially for an adolescent who's living in uncertain times. Yes, they are used to a very different school system. For example, the first period of the day starts earlier here. In the U.S., students start school at a later time. I think that might be a bit of a challenge here. Also, the fact that students return home for lunch here in Switzerland probably feels very different for a student from the U.S. But it's not just school. I mean the people as well. I spent time as an au pair in the U.S. People are less open here in Switzerland. I think things like that are also challenging. Also things like shops being closed on Sundays 
experiences here. I think there are many things that contribute to how different life feels here and that are hard to adapt to. Was ich allgemein noch, noch eine Herausforderung finde, ist die Unsicherheit, wie das weitergeht in den USA, wie lange wird das sein? What I also find challenging in general is the uncertainty about how things will develop in the US, how long things will continue like this and how the people affected will deal with this. It's hard to plan long term. I don't know how long they'll stay here, how much of our planning is basically an emergency measure so he can follow in class and what we could do to flesh out the plans more to be able to coach him so he can settle down a bit more here in the Swiss school system. I think at the moment that's still undecided. It's such a big move, even if they're not completely new to Switzerland. I didn't really know what to expect when we visited their home. Yeah, I was quite curious as well. And since it's the apartment Doris' dad used to live in, it was already familiar to them, which is probably quite comforting in a way if you uproot your life like this. I really noticed all the decorations. There were uh, lots of paintings showing the hilly landscapes of Appenzell. That's a canton in eastern Switzerland. And as we learned, that's where the family has its roots. Oh, yeah. And there was also a very beautifully carved wooden chair And there was also a small shrine with flowers and photographs of Doris Mum. Actually, this apartment is pretty emotional to me. I mean, um, so my mom and my adoptive dad, we uh, lived in um, a village that had a house there. But then my mom got sick. She got ill with cancer. And so um, you know, she fought it twice. And then when she started having to fight it the second time, she she my mom couldn't drive, and and the village, uh, you know, has a bus, but it doesn't really have a train or train station. So they actually sold my family's home in in the village and bought this apartment. And so they they were still building the apartment when when they um, when they bought it. So they bought it without having seen the apartment. And so and so, um, but the sad thing is when. When they finally moved in, my mom actually was only here for one month and then she passed away. So, And, you know, my dad was in grieving. He, he never really cleaned things up or they never really sorted things out. And so things were just like almost like at the house, except at this location, all the stuff they still had and everything. And so so actually, when I now came here and had to do the quarantine and I knew I'm going to have to, you know, live in this apartment, you know, for a little bit longer, I actually did spend some time um, going through things. And, and it's almost like I did my grieving and my sorting, sorting of my mom's stuff 20 years later. Um, I think it happens a lot to us that, you know, we lost somebody, we, we are expat abroad and we lost somebody and it seems like we do the grieving slower because we only kind of grieve when we come back. Looking ahead... It's not clear how long Doris and her boys will stay here in Switzerland. So first, uh, I think the decision was going to be uh, we're going to come here till December and with the hope that, you know, the schools might open up in January. But I'm actually not convinced at all that the schools will open in January. So I think our plan is probably to stay here until July and especially because it was such a Big change for them. I don't want to rip them out again. So, so at least for a year. I mean, who knows? So it seems like the move to Switzerland has been really worth it for them. 
even if it's not that easy. Yes. Doris told me that one of the reasons why she welcomed us to her home is to encourage others who might be in a similar situation and thinking about taking that step. And actually, when I wrote to her again recently, she stressed really that it was a good decision. And it's really wonderful when people are willing to open up like that and, and share their stories with us. Yes, absolutely. And we're also going to stay in touch with her and her family to see how the winter goes for them. <laughs> well, I have the feeling that they're going to bundle up. <laughs> yes. It's too cold here. The wet and the it's cold freezing. and the rain you know, slush. Cold. The freezing cold. If you'd like to see pictures of the family, you can find them on our website on swissinfo.ch. Coming up next time on The Swiss Connection. I started feeling something in the, the pit of my stomach that I couldn't describe. It was just this hollow feeling. It was like something was eating away at me. This holiday season, many of us are separated from family and friends because of the pandemic. So we decided to explore how it feels to be homesick. In a special three-part series, we'll investigate the origins of nostalgia and what that's all about. Our guide is a Canadian who's been living in Switzerland for 30 years. What he found out will surprise you, especially the Swiss connection. So definitely subscribe to this podcast and give us a five-star review. It'll help more people find our show. We'll be back with a new episode every two weeks. This episode of The Swiss Connection was reported and produced by me, Susan Masika, and Isabel Bannerman. Our theme is composed by Michele Andina. The engineering is by Dani Wieler. Thanks for listening. Polish your knowledge about Swiss elections, referendums and political parties, while at the same time learning more about the quirks of the political system in Switzerland? If that's the case, our newsletter course is just what you need. Each week for a month, we'll send you a free instalment explaining the most important details of how Swiss democracy works. Our course teaches you who's eligible to vote in Switzerland, what the different parties stand for, how election and popular vote results are implemented, and what distinguishes Swiss democracy from other political systems. Our crash course is interactive, like democracy itself. Your questions will be answered on an FAQ page, and you can debate with other users and share your inputs and opinions. We will also provide links to multimedia articles and videos to help you better understand the Swiss democratic system. Please join us and sign up for the free Democracy Crash Course newsletter at www.swissinfo.ch democracy. 
That's www.swissinfo.ch/democracy.